do something a little different in honor of Mother's Day. Uh, <clears throat> this is uh, Motherly Proverbs, and as you might see, might have seen that on the sign, it makes that comment. I thought we would try to draw some fire this morning and draw it away from other people. Uh, since uh, there's supposed to be protests and everything else all across the United States. But that's why when I asked Kelvin, when the mother stood up, did any of the, the, the guys stand up with them? And the answer was no. So that was a good thing because <clears throat> there is, you know, God designed things a certain way. And he did it for a reason. And it's just amazing what uh, uh, what Satan has done. I was thinking earlier, Satan thinks we are no more than intelligent monkeys. That's one of his writings. In the Arantia book he refers to us as, and mankind is no more than intelligent monkeys. And I thought, it seems like he's going to prove how stupid these intelligent monkeys are lately and say, look what I can get them to believe. And it just keeps going on and on and on. It's absolutely ridiculous. But what does the scripture say about motherhood? What does it say about fatherhood? That's coming up in June. So we'll see, we'll see when that happens. But what does it have to say about motherhood? And these are, uh, uh, it's pretty clear. Some pretty good stuff. Exhortation, uh, direction, everything that we would hope to have. Uh, before we start, let's just take a minute for prayer. And be sure that we uh, get ourselves ready to look at what God's Word has to say. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you again for this day. We thank you for your Word. We thank you that we can look into it in a free country still. And we can find direction for what, should, what we should do and how we should think and what we should say. So, Father, today, I pray that's what we will find. I pray we will leave here encouraged once again by your amazing plan. We pray and ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I saw a comment once that if evolution is true, then why do mothers have only two hands? You know, that's just a simple question. Funny question, but, you know, it's kind of got got the, the idea. Uh, it's interesting that um, uh, with all the twists and turns that have gone on in our nation, you still can't deny the fact that it, it takes a man and a woman to produce a child. That's just the way it is. Now, you can play with it in a lab and a test tubes and all those other stuff, but it takes a man and a woman to produce a child. That's the way God designed it. And how they can get people to try and believe anything else is truly beyond me. Uh, <clears throat> a mother to her children, when you look at the scripture, you find out that God designed her to set an example for her children. Proverbs 31 Lady and Other Impossible Dreams. That was the name of a book written a long time ago. Beautiful little book. And I don't know if you ever saw it or not, ladies, but the Proverbs 31 Lady and Other Impossible Dreams. And it was written by a lady that uh, said, she took it, broke it apart. She said, Lord, I do everything in my power to do a Proverbs 31 lady, and it is impossible. So anyway, she has some comments to say about that and her attempt to be a Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31 lady. A godly mother 
will point her children to God by the force of her example as much as by the power of her words. And as we look at it, we are all, we're all a mess. Mothers and fathers both make mistakes while they're raising their children, not because they necessarily want to, but because we're in a fallen uh, world with a fallen nature. So even when we want to get it all right, we tend to get some things wrong. We are taught, and we, we look at this, and we, we say, well, um, what does God want us to know, and why would he want the dads to know about motherly proverbs? And why would he want older ladies to know about motherly proverbs? And why would he want younger ladies to know about them? Well, Titus 2.4 says that the older ladies are to teach the younger ladies how to love their husband and how to love their children. This is something that should be passed on from generation to generation. And sadly, when a generation stops passing it on, then, then that society is headed for problems. It is truly headed for problems. Too many times, I think, we have farmed it out. We have farmed it out to the schools. That's turned out to be a big mistake in a lot of ways. We farmed it out to the churches who decided to teach everything but the Word of God. We have farmed it out to coaches and athletics and everything else to do the things that we are called to do, the things that we are responsible to do. Abraham Lincoln once said that no one is poor who had a godly mother. And when you look at it that way, that is, that is quite a statement uh, and notice what it says up here. I remember my mother's prayers and how they've always followed me. They have clung to me all of my life. Abraham Lincoln. So he was he was touched. He still remembers his mother's prayers. I have a good friend, and we went to church together, and um, uh, all the way back to high school, junior high and high school, and <clears throat> he was a he was a mess by his own admission. He was somewhat of a mess. And he said, I used to be out doing things I shouldn't be doing. And I'd come back home and I would find my mother on her knees praying. And he said, that stuck with me. And eventually, he turned his life around. He's not that he's perfect yet. He'll admit that freely. But he said, that stuck with me. Because what I found was my mother's faithfulness and her devotion to the Lord, and I saw how important that was. That song, Love of God, it was my mother's favorite song. And a lot of us, over the last few years, we've seen our mother depart and go be with the Lord. I, uh, I got two phone calls last week about uh, two people uh, connected to our family, our son-in-law, and it was uh, they lost a uh, grandmother and an aunt. Uh, last week, within a couple of days of each other. And so things are, we, we know when, when mom is gone, there's a hole that is there. And so how, how do we fill it? Well, we need to fill it, first of all, with the Word of God. But we also need to fill it with His Word so we can teach other people, so we can live a, a godly life. So we, even if our children are up and gone, we can set examples that other people can look at and say, there's a godly person. They might not realize it then, they might mock it, they might laugh at it, and all of the things that go with, with unbelief, but we want them to see a good example. Now, a mother's love, what about a mother's love? Well, oh, by the I, I plugged this one in there yesterday. 
You see, this mother is 98 years old. This was in India in 2019. Got her first Bible. And she couldn't read. But she has a grandson. She's going to get to read it to her. She's a Christian, been a believer a long time. And she's engaging her family the best way she could think of. So her grandson, no telling, he's probably 50, but he's, he's going to get to read it. So this is, a, this is a happy lady here that got her Bible for the first time. But what do mothers do? The first thing they do is birth the baby. Oh boy, aren't they cute? Have you ever noticed how cute a baby is? Nobody would ever say that baby's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. But everybody would say, that baby is cute, no matter what they look like. <laughs> They're all cute, aren't they? <laughs> That's the mother, what a mother does, is give them birth. That is the vessel that God designed that is able to give children birth, to bring them through into this life. So the first thing they do is birth them. The second thing they're supposed to do is educate them. Teach them. From Proverbs 6, uh, verse 20. It says, my, sir, my son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light. And reproofs for discipline are the way of life, to keep you from the evil woman and from the smooth tongue of an adulteress. The mothers write on the hearts of children what the world cannot erase. That's what happens. Now, some mothers are very good, and some mothers are not good. Some mothers doesn't seem like ever have a motherly instinct in them at all. And it takes a, it takes a while to figure it out. And, and all of us in here have run into to both kinds. But what we find out is that mothers write on the hearts of children, just like fathers do. They affect the children. And one of the things I heard a long time ago, what you do is more important than what you say. We need to be able to live that which we preach. Don't be a hypocrite, because a kid can see a hypocrite in a heartbeat. They can find, they can spot it, and they will look for it. They will look for ways, if you tell them to do something, and then claim adult privilege, that can be a problem. And yet, that's the way a lot of people raise their children. But... <clears throat> A mother is a teacher who reinforces a father's instructions. Now this is assuming it's a godly household. That's the way it's supposed to be. The father <coughs> is designed to be the head of the household. That's the way it's supposed to be. But a mother can reinforce the father's instructions again, assuming that it is godly instructions. We're supposed to speak truth. That's the way we're, we're taught all through Scripture. Speak truth to one another and do it in love. Now, as you educate them, you tell them how. And you encourage them to do things. Apply it to yourself and cherish them outwardly. Honor them. Because it is, uh, it's 
hard for a lot of people to get through life if they think mom or dad doesn't like them. It is. It just puts it behind an eight ball and makes it much more difficult. Now, sometimes kids misunderstand stuff. And they say, well, they tell me what I need to do. And I don't want to do that. Well, that could be your problem if, you, if they tell you what to do. Hopefully, they're telling you the right things. They're teaching you to honor other people. They're teaching you to respect authority. They're teaching you you're responsible for your own decisions. They're teaching you divine institutions. They are teaching you about volition. They're teaching you about a husband and wife, the, uh, the right man, right woman relationship. We, I prayed for my right woman when I was a kid. I didn't know much else. That sounded good. <clears throat> Turns out Helen did too. We met in the fifth grade. Square dancing. <laughs> or poke, doing the polka. You know, that was so much fun to do the polka. And she thought I was a show off. And I was. And I thought she was kind of quiet. And she was. And we didn't even acknowledge each other's existence really till we were in the 12th grade. But the Lord had honored that prayer. Brought us together. Educate the children. Teach them. Give them hands-on training. Help them as much as you can. Mom ought to be able to, to teach boys and girls both. I was taught how to wash dishes. I made a mistake one time. I was wanting to to play with a friend and I went over to his house and his mom had him in there washing dishes and I said that's a woman's work <laughs> I got rebuked <laughs> and sent out of the house but it was teach them both how to do it I learned how to wash dishes because teach basic stuff teach, teach boys how to wash their clothes I mean, simple things like that because it teaches responsibility. If we do everything for them, they don't learn how to do it, and then how do they pass it on? So that's what part of what we should do in child training. Next thing is give them to God. See, there's, there's going to be a time in everybody's life <clears throat> when there's going to be some teenage rebellion or whatever it is. It may, may be active rebellion. That's actually easier in some ways. You know what to deal with. And it may be passive rebellion where they say, oh yes, I'd be glad to do it. And they have no intent of doing that whatsoever. The active and the passive. But give them to God. Give them to God as a baby. Say, Lord, they're in your hands. And you place, place your trust in the Lord and place them in their hands. I know that first time uh, the First time you put them on a school bus, we didn't have a school bus as we hauled our kids back and forth. We were too far away and the buses didn't run and we didn't trust them. So we took them to, to school. But the hardest thing for a parent to do is to see them drive away solo after they get their driver's license. Isn't it? Yeah. Difficult to do. Or military. If they decide to go into the military, you've got to... Lord, they're yours. Because you can't protect them anymore. And then what about their marriage? Give them to God. Say, Lord, they're yours. They're yours. I'm going to be here. I'm going to love them. That's what I'm going to do. But it's between you and them. 
And so learn to give them to God. This, that's for all of us. And Genesis 2.24 is the principle for this cause. A man shall leave his father and mother and shall cling unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Give them to God. And that's what he said to do. Encourage them. Now, we've got the instruct in there. I have no idea why that popped up. I have no idea. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. No, I don't want to start browsing. What did you do? Close. Good. <laughs> Encourage them. Now, <clears throat> part of being a mother is to teach, but it's also to in, to encourage. It's been said that an ounce of mom is worth a ton of clergy. Psalm 131 says, A song of ascents of David, O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rest against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. It's a place of unconditional love. where That's what a, a mom should be. Where a child can go to the mom and, and find their unconditional love. Now, conditional love requires performance. That doesn't mean we don't expect things from them. We teach them. We train them. Discipline is designed to teach self-discipline. But it also means that they're still our kid. And we still love them, no matter how bad they might mess up. I've talked to a lot of people over the years. And sometimes you just have to clearly give, give the child to the Lord and be there. And be there. Because the Lord's got ways of bringing things about that you can never do. Never do. And treasure them. Psalm 127. A song of ascents of Solomon. Now Solomon was a wise man that was unwise in a lot of ways, right? But he says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen keep awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to retire late to eat the bread of painful labors because he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. This is Solomon saying how, what a blessing the children are. Now I know that children can also be a test. Sometimes children can be a test not to you only, but to everybody in the restaurant. You've probably noticed that somewhere along the way. And you think, gosh, I never let my, oh, I did. <laughs> we, 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 uh, it, and what happens? They fall into 2 Timothy 3, which says that in the last days, children will be disobedient to their parents. Because they're not corrected. And they're not corrected with love. And it turns into a battle of the wills. 
Now, <clears throat> we're supposed to learn, train up a child literally according to his way, is what the Hebrew says in that passage. Meaning that you need to know your kids well enough to realize they have different quirks. They learned that easily through Glenhaven Youth Ranch over the course of years because they found out that there were some kids that you could put in the corner and that was all the correction they'd ever need. And other kids you could just paddle and they wouldn't even phase them. Wouldn't even slow them down. You need to know the personalities of the kids. To do that, yet train up a child according to his way and when he is old he will not depart from it. It doesn't mean that that all are going to come back and it doesn't mean that you have the same cookie cutter approach to every kid because every kid has got a different personality. My brother and I have different personalities. We're, um, uh, and we, you know, our parents pretty well let us get away with anything. That shouldn't have happened and they admitted to that later on. But overall, they were good parents and we knew that they loved us no matter what happened. Now, no mother or father is perfect. So, the Lord is the ultimate parent. From Psalm 27 and verse 10, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. The ultimate parent is the Lord God. If you don't have parents, there are many things that happen and leave, leaves young people childless. And sometimes we say, well, I wish I had a different daddy or a different mama. No. You be thankful for the ones that, that you have and be the best child that you can be. That's what you do. Try to learn how to please mom and dad. Some people say, well, that's not, that's, they're too young to learn that. They can learn anything and everything else, can't they? Why can't they learn to do that? I mean, they, they can tune into a TV. Our, our, our kids could especially our son could watch a television and then you say well what was it you watched and he'd repeat every line that was in that TV show so you didn't want to ask him what about a movie did you see such and such a movie you better be ready for a full review of that movie before you could sit down but so you have to learn if you ask listen <laughs> however long it takes <laughs> to go through all the sequels and preludes to section uh, part two and part three that also went with that movie that you made the mistake of asking about. But no mother or father is perfect. What in the world? I had, we don't even have an AOL on this thing. <sighs> yep. Don't click on... Okay. <laughs> treasure them okay where did it go there it is the Lord's a parent the Lord is the parent now it's interesting here where you see there on the right what you see is uh, a group of mothers who are meeting they're coming together outside of a church it's in India and they're coming together to teach their children in India a lot of the mothers that are there have become Christians because they see the futility of Hinduism. A lot of them have been disowned by their families. 
and they show up because they become a Christian and their family is Hindu. So they get cut out of the family altogether. And church is a place where they come and they learn to encourage one another. And the older women teach the younger women how to love their husband and how to, how to put up with him. Because a lot of them are drunks, like a lot of them are in Russia. A lot of the Russian men are drunks. That's what they are. They drink all the time. They drink way too much. I've heard stories about going over to somebody's house. If you get invited to somebody's house and you're a missionary, um, you, you end up with the, what should I do? Should I have a drink or not have a drink that's there? Because you can really offend them if you reject their hospitality. Because hospitality is one thing that they hold in very high regard. But a lot of times I've heard stories, especially like of a Kalmyk wedding uh, in uh, southern Mongolia, that um, whenever they have a wedding, it's, it's really crazy because they get everybody together and everybody has a half pint of vodka for the first drink. <clears throat> then they'll have another half pint. And by the time they get done with the wedding, everybody's a drunken mess. It's awful way to do things, I think. But what do you do? Uh, oh, the liberty. Let's see. The meat set before idols. Where do you make draw the line make the distinctions that are there? Though the Lord is the ultimate parent, and he's what teaches, teaches us. And what about a uh, child's love? In Ecclesiastes 3. Time for all things under the sun. Time to be born and time to die. Time for war, time for peace. It's, it's a beautiful picture. We didn't pick our father or our mother. You're here by divine design. I heard someone describe it one time and he says, when this thing all happened, there was about a million parts that came from dad that were vying to become you. And you think, what? Which one got the egg? You're special. You are here by divine design. Not by accident, not by chance, because God is in charge of the genetics. And you say, where'd you get that? Well, how about Genesis? back with Jacob, trying to work his seven years off to win uh, Rachel and, and ended up with Leah, but trying to do that. And what happened? He had a deal with his, with his father-in-law, Laban. And Laban had this great idea that, uh, okay, I'll take the ones that are speckled and spotted and you get the other ones. And whatever animals came out is what Jacob got or what Laban got to keep. And over the course of three or four uh, birthing seasons, guess what? The Lord transferred all of Laban's wealth to Jacob. Because no matter how Laban changed it, God was in charge of that. He's in charge of the genetics. That's who he is. Now, if you don't like your genetics, can't do anything about it. The best thing to do is embrace it. Go, what do I do with it now, Lord? See, instead of arguing with him all your life, or being mad at him all of your life, or, Lord, why didn't you make me taller? I asked him that more than once. <laughs> you know, people talk about dunking basketballs. 
That was a pipe dream for me. My, my, my peak of basketball prowess, I could get to the second line on the bottom part of the net. That's as high as I could get up there. He didn't make me taller for a reason. He wanted me short. Okay, and he makes tall people tall for a reason. All of us have a purpose. We are all created in the image of God, and we're here by his divine, divine design. God put together our genetics, and he put them together and made us part of a family. Now, a mother, a child should respect their mother. A child should respect their mother. Her mother, his mother, a child should respect the mother that God has assigned to them. The um, respect should be earned. It has to be demanded at times because sometimes, well, all children are born with a sin nature, so they want to rebel. So it has to be put in check at times. But a, a father and mother should seek to earn their children's respect. But at the same token, they should get the respect that they deserve as a father or mother. So a child should respect his, his mother, and neither should a child's love be conditional. Now this is something that's got to be taught a lot, because if children are taught conditional love, then what are they going to do? Love conditionally. That's why mothers and fathers need to love their kids unconditionally. Now there are conditions that they put on things, but it's not an issue of love. It's an issue of training self-discipline and compliance that is for their benefit in life. But the whole issue of love is to be unconditional. Just like for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Had you ever thought that maybe the God, the Father, loves us unconditionally? That he sent his only begotten son? That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life? That's unconditional love is what it is. Because if it was about conditional love, none of us would be saved. He wouldn't have sent his son. So it was all about unconditional love. He said, I love you. Now, was there anything worth loving on this end? What was worth loving? We were made in his image. That's about it. And what is love? Danny and I had a conversation about that this week. And he pointed out something that was, that was very good. Because looking for a definition of agape love is like nailing jello to a wall. It just tries to keep getting out from under you while you're trying to do it. <clears throat> and it was in the fifth part of uh, the uh, Resurrection Sunday service about sacrifice. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a sacrificial love that goes there. And it points us to sacrifice. And Danny said, he said, it's so hard to define this. And it truly is hard to define those words. I've had pastors call me and say, give me your definition of agape love. And we've all been through seminary. And Danny said, how about just put sacrificial? Then you start looking at it. What is agape love? Verse after verse after verse. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. It was sacrifice. What three things can you say about Jesus? And being like Jesus from Philippians 2.5. He was unselfish. He left heaven for us. 
He was humble. He humbled himself even to death on a cross. And he was sacrificial. So if you want to talk about love, love is patient. Love is patient when I'm sacrificing. Uh, see, I, I could be impatient. None of you have ever seen that. But I, I could be impatient. But that's a sacrifice for the other person's benefit. It is kind. I don't have to worry about you. Am I my brother's keeper? How you answer that's real important. The answer to that is yes. But in order to be my brother's keeper, I have to sacrifice. Husbands are to love their wife. How? As Christ loved the church, what did he do? Sacrifice. I think you can take all the patient, kind, gentle, does not brag, does not take you into account of wrong suffering. You can put it all together, and what you end up with is agape love is sacrificial. I think that's a pretty good, pretty good definition of the word. A child's love shouldn't be, if you do this, then I will love you. And I don't think, honestly, a parent should let them try to get away with it. Because they'll say, well, if, if, you, if you just let me drive the car, if you won't let me drive the car, you don't love me. They'll never get the keys with an attitude like that. That's, that's my opinion. You have to make your own decisions. Neither should a child's love be conditional. God blesses those who honor their mother. From Exodus 20, verse 12. We know this passage. Exodus chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments, right? It's the Ten Commandments. God blesses those who honor their mother. Exodus 20, 12 says honor. And it is the word kabod. Kabod, is this, it's got the same basic root meaning in the Hebrew as it does in the Greek. Which is to give weight to. The tamao words that we just saw earlier this morning, to give weight to, to honor. So it says, recognize the value. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Which is the first commandment with a promise. What? That your days be long in the land that I'm going to give you. That it may be well with you. And that you may live long on the earth. He blesses those who does this. Now this is especially true in the last days. From 2 Timothy chapter 3. Which we've been studying this verse. And we says, it says in verse 1, In the last days, difficult times will come. So that immediately takes us to this point in history. And then there are 20 things, if you remember, that are listed here that tells us how do you identify the last days. 2 Timothy 3, 2, For men will be lovers of self. You see a big part of the problem that's going on around the world today. Everybody's looking out for old number one. Yeah, they ask them, am I my brother's keeper? And they say, well, no. That would be the answer that they would give. Now, <clears throat> honor your father and mother. But it says, especially in the last days, men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Didn't we see that in James 5, 2, in the last days? The rich men will be the great men of the earth. Have you ever noticed that the rich men are trying to take control of the earth? They, they are moving to do that quite clearly. 
They're moving to do that, and what they are trying to do, and what's going on back behind the scenes, is they're trying to merge government and large corporations together. They're trying to put these things together. Our president this last week made a comment about we are given these inalienable rights by our government. And I went, I don't think so. We are not given inalienable rights by our government, and our founding fathers knew that quite well. And yet, they actually come out, and these things keep slipping out because it's become so commonplace. But what happens when you get a bunch of corporations that are banding together, making the same bad decisions as the government is making? Then you end up with a government and uh, the rich of the world trying to take it over. Why? Because they see the potential for a one-world government. That's what they want, because they feel that they are elite and they're going to be in charge of, of this thing. Lovers of money. It kind of is, is weird how a person can have so much money, and you're taught in Economics 101, there's a law of diminishing returns. See, there's a, we need money to buy food and shelter and clothing and things. We need money to do that. But then all the excess money you've got over the top of that, that reaches a point it, that, that money doesn't mean that much to you. So if you had billions of dollars, uh, if, if I had millions of dollars, uh, I wouldn't be, it would not bother me at all. I don't need more. And here it says, lovers of money, boastful. That's a virtue now, by the way. How much can you brag on yourself? When I read things that come out from uh, people want me to vote for them, one of the things I look at, and it's amazing how many you can see, they have a one-page deal that comes out, and I know if you're like me, I get five or six or seven a day wanting money and wanting me to vote for somebody. And they just go immediately to the round or oval file that I have set up for them. But they want, they want that, and you start reading, I, me, my, and myself. And it's all through what they say. I've written more than one congressman that we have for the state of Oklahoma that every time I get a newsletter out, every time it comes out, it goes, it's all about what I did. There are other ways to word it where it doesn't draw attention to yourself. And they don't even bother to try to do that. I, me, mine, and myself. I did this. I was over here. I was over there. I met with. And uh, it's exhausting. Yeah, I hit that a long time ago before I ever became consciously a Christian. I tried to read a book by Sterling Moss. Sterling Moss, a lot of us old people know who he is. He was a Formula One race car driver, and it was uh, very well known, won a whole lot of races. And I said, I tried to read it. I checked it out from the high school library to do a book report. I got about a page and a half into it because every other word was I. And even back then, I said, I can't read this. And I checked the book back in and, and let it go. But the, the, the boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, last day's marker, <clears throat> ungrateful, unholy, unloving, 
irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness. What did he just say? They're in your churches. But they've denied its power. Avoid such men as these. They have a religion that goes with all of these things. And you can see it now in our nation. And not just our nation. You can see it around the world. It's amazing. God blesses those who honor their mother. And a wise person seeks to make a mother glad. A wise person seeks to make a mother glad through a virtuous life. Now, if we're really wise, we think we're really smart. Because if we went on in 2 Timothy 3, it says, Ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So, we think we're so smart. We're nothing more than intelligent monkeys, according to Satan. And he says, I'm going to play them like a bass fiddle. And he's man- managing to do just that. Proverbs 23:22. Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Of course, there are no old ladies. It's not anymore. <clears throat> Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. And he who begets a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. And let her rejoice who gave birth to you. You know, with the, the parenting, there's enough fa- failure to go around on both sides. No one is perfect. And it's all about grace. Grace is the order of the day. Are there any perfect parents? Uh, no. Are there any perfect kids? No. <laughs> How about a perfect God? If we all got our eyes focused more on Him, then that would be... Uh, that would bring us together all the more. I have a thing from a man named Fred Cruz. I don't know who he is. But it says, what is a mother? It's a good way to end this today. Here we go once again with AOL. Okay. Somewhere between the youthful energy of a teenager and the golden years of a woman's life, There lives a marvelous and loving person known as mother. A mother is a curious mixture of patience, kindness, understanding, discipline, industriousness, purity, and love. A mother can be at one time and the same time a lovelorn counselor to a heartsick daughter or a head football coach to an athletic son. A mother can sew the tiniest stitch in the material for that dainty prom dress, and she is equally experienced in threading through the heaviest traffic in a station wagon. A mother is the only creature on earth who can cry when she's happy, laugh when she's heartbroken, and work when she's feeling ill. A mother is as gentle as a lamb, strong as a giant. Only a mother can appear so weak and helpless and yet be at the same time the one who puts the jelly jar cover on so tight dad can't get it off. A mother's a picture of helplessness when dad is near 
and a marvel of a resourcefulness when she's all alone. A mother has the angelic voice of a member in the celestial choir as she sings Brahms' lullaby to a babe held tightly in her arms. Yet the same voice can dwarf the sound of an amplifier when she calls her boys in for supper. A mother has the fascinating ability to be almost everywhere at once and she alone can somehow squeeze an enormous amount of living into an average day. A mother is old-fashioned to her teenager, just mom to her third grader, simply mama to the little two-year-old sister. But there's no greater thrill in life than to point to that wonderful woman and be able to say to all the world, that's my mother. If yours wasn't the best, break the cycle, change it. That's what God has called us to do. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for this divine plan. Father, we thank you for realizing that what you've laid out in front of us is so very, very simple. Not necessarily easy to do, but it is simple to understand. You have made us man and woman. You have made us to produce children, to have families. Father, you have made us to be a part of the body of Christ and to be helpers and mentors to all those that we come in contact with. And Father, you have given us the opportunity for eternity with you with rewards more than we can speak of or imagine. And Father, we come to you today and we just pray that we would have the gospel of Jesus Christ readily on our tongue. That if we get the opportunity, and Father, we pray for those, that you will help us to tell people that the choice is really very simple. That God became man. He dwelt among us. Your glory. And that by faith in him, that he died, was buried, and rose again on the third day, they may have eternal life forevermore. Father, it is so simple, and yet it is so clouded, it is so distorted, by the devil and the world today. So Father I pray that we would remember this simple message. I pray that we would be as Paul and be bold in it. Not be ashamed of the gospel. But be willing to tell it and spread it everywhere we go. I pray that uh, as Assisi said. We would preach the gospel every day. And sometimes we would use words. We give you the praise for all that you have done. And thank you for everyone in here and all those listening. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.